This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. This is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. This week, we're taking a look at The Mighty Ducks to see if our nostalgia is warranted. Alright, so, now for the part I've been dreading for the better part of a week. Uh, since I brought this forward, I'm going to have to do our new game called 60 Second Synopsis, where I try to relay the plot of the entire film, given a minute. So, I guess we didn't discuss this. Do you guys want to time me, or should I time myself? I don't know if I trust you to kind of time yourself. Alright, fair enough. Fair point to you, Mark. My microphone is escaping. What? We talked about this! It's fine. <laughs> All right, Mark, you got something? What? What are you doing on your phone? You're setting it up? Yes. <laughs> All right. We're so organized. Like a well-oiled machine. All right, I will cut a bunch of this out, but give me a countdown no, and this is gold. Fine. Are you ready? Yes. Three, two, one, go. After missing the game-winning shot for the Hawks of the Pee Wee Hockey State Championship of 1973, Gordon Bombay abandoned the game of hockey. Now roughly 20 years later, he works as a lawyer solely focused on winning, employing every loophole he can think of to succeed. This behavior is not missed by his employer, Mr. Ducksworth, who passes him up for promotion. Bombay then drives home drunk, but is pulled over and subsequently given a leave of absence in community service, which turns out to be coaching the worst team in the Pee Wee Hockey League, District 5. Bombay leads them through two losses before reconnecting with an old friend named Hans, who reminds him of his love of the game. Bombay then begins actually coaching and convinces Ducksworth to commit $15,000 to rebranding District 5 as the Ducks. Bombay then begins recruiting, picking up a pair of figure-stating skibblings, a boy with a wild slap shot, and the Hawks star player Adam Banks. Banks' acquisition causes turmoil on the team, and Ducksworth subsequently fires Bombay for his refusal to return Banks to the Hawks. Undeterred, Bombay returns, reunites his team and takes them to state finals where they up against the Hawks. Through a series of skill shots and trick plays, the Ducks tie the score 4-4 with moments left. Charlie Conway is fouled and finds himself with the same shot Bombay missed in 1973. He, he triple deeks and scores winning the game. Queen plays. Bombay ends the film by boarding a bus on the way to the minor league hockey tryouts, but promises to be back next season to defend the title. I knew I was going to go long. I timed myself. I couldn't get it any shorter. But that is the film in a nutshell. You went into a lot more detail than Sarah did when she did hers, so... Well, yes, I also wrote mine down, which I don't think she did. <laughs> oh, no, I did not. <laughs> I don't do that much work. All right, so let's go into long form. So, what did you guys find on a second viewing? What did you see as adults that you didn't see as a kid? For a while, like, with the entire beginning, probably, like, half an hour, 45 minutes. Well, probably more like half an hour. But, like, is this a kid's movie? Exactly. I felt the same way. It takes a good 10 minutes for the kids to even be introduced. Like, a lot of the synopsis I just did, especially at the beginning, was focused on Bombay, because it is mainly his movie. And I really wanted to, I should have found a clip and sent to my sister i want to know how much of that legal jargon is real or if they just like <laughs> said utter nonsense just to sound like 
fancy lawyers because I'm like, I don't understand any of that because it was just like nonsense on top of nonsense. Wait, which part? The part very, where what? he's defending someone? The At very the very beginning. first, very beginning because he's like, he just says all of that stuff to the judge to get that loophole and he just says a bunch of nonsense about precedent and I'm like, I don't know how much of that is real. All he does is he quotes a specific case in which this testimony was allowed that is now being objected to and the ruling on this case was that a judge didn't allow the testimony but then subsequently overruled uh, from a higher court and it happened to be the same judge he was talking to that day mm -hmm. and so he used that to allow the testimony yeah. to be submitted yeah. in the court i don't know if it was jargon it was just working the judge it was it was very quick <laughs> yeah. i had to watch it twice to figure out what the hell he was talking yeah, about it was like nonsense like if i had been a kid i'd been like I'm done. Nope. But apparently, as a kid, I made it through that scene. Yeah, I did remember the part about him being a lawyer and that something went wrong, like, even though he was... I forgot the thing that he was undefeated. He was defeated once, but he doesn't count it because he slept with a stenographer. Who oh, had yes. an intelligent body. His secretary <laughs> is great. She only shows up in that one scene, but she is great. Because she has that quip about, oh, the one with the intelligent body. And then when she he brings up the undefeated letter, she's like, you mean 30 and 1. And it's she's great. She can stay. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of phenomenal adult actors in this film. Uh, I loved Hans. Uh, I thought he was friggin' wonderful. Right in the heart. Uh, I even loved Coach Riley because he is despicable. Don't get me wrong. The character is awful. But that character actor is chewing the scenery every chance he gets. My problem is he... I. I know him now. Well, I must have known him then because I, I watched this show as a child, but he's from Lois and Clark. <laughs> he played- Really? He, Who does he, he play? He plays, what's his name? The boss. Oh, shoot. The, Lois's boss? No, well, both of their boss. The newspaper yeah. guy. Oh, right, right. Clark yeah. works there too. <laughs> <laughs> what is his name? But he plays that guy, so I can only think of- That guy. Oh, that guy. That's going to be a five-minute Google search. The, the, the newspaper boss. Yeah, I don't know it. I know who you're talking but, about. So I, I couldn't give you his name. Like, uh, Perry white there we go oh yes that makes a lot of sense uh but yeah in fact the great adult character actors in this film to me just highlighted how not great of an actor emilio estevez is no i loved emilio estevez i thought All he right. was great a lot of the scenes he can deliver well when he's talking about emotions when he's with charlie he is great when he's paired up against other adults or like the scenes where he is talking to himself and like trying to debate why would Ducksworth do this to me, or when he's quacking in the office when he yeah. gets fired. No, I thought that, that like was those crazy. scenes are just awkward to watch. I thought he was like that was him having his nervous breakdown. No, the adult character I thought was terrible was Charlie's mom. I hated Charlie's mom. I mean, she isn't given a lot to do, but where she was there, I liked what she did, especially really? in the scene where Bombay comes to their home to apologize to Charlie and she is eavesdropping on them and has to prompt him to say, I'm sorry. I like that scene. Like, I thought, like, I get where they were coming from on her, like the single mom who is overprotective, but I thought she was too far into being like a character like she was from zero to 100 in every scene I and i was just like, like you need to chill charlie's mom when they had a date and went and saw the ice sculptures and all that stuff there i don't get any chemistry between them first of all but then the acting between the two of them together didn't didn't really do it for me agreed <laughs> the chemistry is between him and charlie yes, and not him which and charlie's is even mom. more awkward but it was just like 
every scene she was in for the first like four or five scenes she's in it was like you are an awful person like it's true he is an awful well, person at the beginning yes. but all he's done is have a car he's had a car on the ice with fair, her son in it the, he the kid got in the car he didn't let the kid in the car that's true that is fair but he also drove the car on the ice so i Which mean he, he didn't, he didn't drive it we've had a bonfire yes, charlie <laughs> didn't drive it and i suppose bombay didn't like living in iowa we have done weirder things on ice Minnesota's well, probably done worse. Fair enough. But, I mean, he didn't give her a good justification as to why it was on the ice. He just said, I know it'll be because fine. Because it's Minnesota and it's probably been, like, well, negative yeah, 10 degrees think, for, like, though, a month. if she lives in Minnesota, she would know that, too, because... Yeah, she obviously is not from there. <laughs> okay, she has maybe driven on the ice. I would say, even as a single parent, this is your sole child. You're gonna want to protect him. Well, he should not be driving on the like, ice. Like, I guess that, but it was, like, in every scene, it was, like, stereotype yelly yelly. Like, nothing was it wasn't realistic to me it was like character yelly angry single mom see i agree with you for a bit because uh at the very end when they're on the date i felt like her conversation skills went to zero real quick mm. where she was describing about how she was rambling and how he might not find that attractive i mean it just she was all over the place and i guess that's maybe because no one ever mentions like he was the only one in trouble there was another adult there like no one ever blames the driver like he did tell the person to drive there but i mean the driver doesn't have to do it the driver can be like nope i'm done yeah and we should talk about his punishment because that is the most <laughs> privileged punishment yeah, ever no kidding uh what does he get pulled over he gets for? he's dui and then yes he makes driving with an open container yes and reckless endangerment yes and plus he's just making jokes at the cop while they're <laughs> while they're trying to talk to him yes yeah, so he gets pulled over because he can't pronounce the word little correctly while drunk <laughs> Yeah, but it gets knocked down by Ducksworth to just 500 hours of community service and a leave of absence from work. I guess a suspension of license, but they also give him a personal driver to and, go everywhere. And they continue to pay his but salary. But probably, if you're considering him the best, at the time, the best maybe lawyer at that firm, and they like, well, you're being a jerk, but we don't want to lose you, because he could go to another firm real easily. We'll be like, well, we'll make you happy, but you gotta, like, still pay your dues. If he's the best one there and they don't want to lose him, later on they end up firing yeah, him because Duxworth, he's following he the rules. He has a real weird, like, <laughs> so... about face in that middle that I don't really understand what Ducksworth's entire motivation was the entire movie. Right. So, to clarify this for our listeners, Ducksworth wipes away his crimes, gives him leaves of absence, personal driver, telling him that he needs to, uh, it'll teach him compassion, a sense of fair play, and how to fit in, and he'll come back a better person and a better attorney. When Bombay learns this and comes back to the office, he gets fired because he doesn't want to do the fair play that would require Banks to play in the Ducks instead of the Hawks. So, I mean, he gets fired because Ducksworth wants to save face with Banks' father, who's apparently a To be a fair on the whole friend. thing with, like, the, the thing, technically, Ducksworth making him do this, the community service is actually more, because remember, he said he had a loophole that would get him out of everything. True, and Ducksworth didn't want him dragging the firm's name through the mud. He said it would get him out of everything, that he'd have to do nothing, that he wouldn't even lose his license. And considering how well they've said his, he isn't getting loopholes and stuff, I'd believe that he'd be able to do that. 
and that he'd get no punishment for his crime. Yeah, so he takes the punishment to keep the opportunity to come back to work later. But that was the point, wasn't it? Because Ducksworth even said, no, we don't want you to do that. We want you to learn something from this instead of repeating it over and over. So Ducksworth's like, either I can have him have at least some community service stuff or there's nothing. Yeah, another weird decision by Ducksworth is when he comes to ask for money for the team, 15 grand, like Ducksworth is immediately apprehensive. He says it'll be good for the firm, which Ducksworth considers the final, um, (laughs) the final straw that breaks the camel's back is that he's guaranteed his own jersey. He's like, oh, well then, of course. No, I would do it for the jersey. Those are some nice looking jerseys. You could just buy your own jersey. Not a Ducks jersey. He, he bought that jersey. <laughs> I mean, you get that, right? But I mean, there's like a peewee one. I don't know if you can really buy peewee <laughs> hockey jerseys if you're not like associated with the team. <laughs> well, actually, you can. You can buy uh, Charlie Conway's jersey online. But they're not no associated with the team. Film. The Anaheim Ducks are a real team. But they're not a peewee team. They're a professional <laughs> team. That is not even the same jersey. Yes, I know. They changed jerseys later, though. Anyway. Yeah, because they're not the Ducks anymore. They're Team USA. Not in They this always movie. go back to the Ducks. Yeah, but they're not supposed to. Hey. I know. Stop getting ahead of the story. You're in the wrong movie already. In all these movies. Anyway. So, Mark, you were saying Quack. something. Well, I noticed even right away the very first game that we see them playing, like, one of them is wearing a football helmet, and some of them are not wearing any helmets, and it's like, I mean, I understand that it's supposed to convey that they're poor and they're an unfunded team or whatever, and that gives them the opportunity to get money from the firm, but I don't know that a peewee league would allow them to play yeah, without still actual safety uniforms. regulations. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they would, especially because I think... Uh, a carp, I think, is the kid playing the wearing the football helmet. I think Gee is wearing like a wrestling helmet that protects you somewhat, but wouldn't take an Just impact. Just kind of in the ears. But, and somebody else yeah. was wearing boxing gloves, I think. <laughs> and Charlie had the mask that like didn't even buckle, so the guy actually had a stick in his face at one point. Yeah. Well, I mean. <sighs> they're also never wearing mouth guards even when they buy good gear. And like when Charlie takes the final uh penalty shot, he's to not win wearing the game, a helmet at all. He's not wearing a helmet. Yeah. He's not wearing a helmet at all. Well, well neither was Gordon. Dramatic face cam. When it was right. when it was Gordon as a kid, he wasn't wearing a helmet no. either. Was he? I mm, I, I wonder could if be it's right. just because like, oh, there's nobody else on the ice and this so, can finish the game, so we don't care. The helmet that I remember in that flashback is the goalie's mask, which Gordon remembers as having a skull on it, yeah, it which I thought was a really nice <laughs> what touch. What team were they playing? Uh, I, you know, I don't know, because I wrote down all the team names that they compete also, against. Also, like, how is it that every team has a name, but they're just District 5? And all of them are birds, too. Well, um, no, no, most, most no. of them. Mark, I've got the team names. I will read them off to you. There are a lot of birds, I grant you. Something was like fire, right? So there are the Hawks, the Cardinals, the Flames, the go. Hornets, the Jets, the Tigers, the Cubs, the Huskies, the Ducks, and the Panthers. I don't remember. None of these of are Arctic animals. And that bothers me. Just because you play a game on ice doesn't mean you have to be an arctic animal. Alright, fair enough. Professional teams don't. I think kids' teams should. I think it'd be fun. I mean, the Flames is arguably the worst team you could be on the ice, though, right? (laughs) Uh, I suppose. 
so weird that like someone would have given them a name before them. I get like the point in the plot that it's to bring yeah. them together and stuff right, like that. Right, right, right. But someone would have given them a name. <laughs> well, you think even the previous coach or the district or like, even the or they would have given themselves a name, yeah, and not just called them D fives. And I mean, these teams have been around like Years. decades. <laughs> So because they... the Hawks have been around at least decades because oh, that's right. it's, it's been like 20 years since Gordon played for them and he they still have the same coach. And they just redistrict that year so that other district must have existed since then too. So D5 must have existed and they just never had a name. Maybe <laughs> yeah. District 5 wasn't it's there before sad. and that's why they rezoned it. Uh, I think it would have had, had to, to be then because D- uh, District 5 expanded into what was previously Hawks territory. Like it couldn't have just been like suddenly in the 20 years these houses appeared. <laughs> I don't, I can't explain it. I did want to go back to your point about equipment, though, because I, as a kid, remember uh, shaming Goldberg because he didn't want to be the goalie, but, like, the kid has no pads as the goalie, so I totally get why he wouldn't want to be in the goal. I thought he had, like, magazines or something tied around his arms at one point. Well, yeah, yes, he had they like, mentioned it. He had, like, phone books yeah. taped around his legs, and that was his pads. But, like, that would still hurt. He mentions it when he talks to Ducksworth about mm-hmm. what their their padding is, mm-hmm. which is very sad. Just so they can be taken seriously. And, let's see, so they're given $15,000. They go to Hans's shop, and I think they spend upwards of 7000 of it on equipment. Right, so where's the rest of it? Uh, spent on eggs, I think. <laughs> Because they have this training montage where he's teaching them soft passes, where they pass eggs back and forth to each other. Inevitably, that entire rink is going to be covered with eggs. My thing about that scene is the fact that you're wanting to believe that these are kids with a heart of gold, but they've just, like, they're from a rough side of town. No, they never get better. They are, like, vandals. And they're always, they're always terrible. Like, even, even when they win games, it was, like, the first game they won, I think, was after they got Adam Banks from the other team. Yes, they, they don't win a single game without Banks. They tie some, right? Before they, uh, tried they tied one, one game, game before that. Okay. And it's but always like, with tricks. It's not because of their skill. It's yes, because the they Statue they of some Liberty special play. trick to, to get goals. They like have destruction in Hans's shop after they're supposedly becoming good. And they have the whole thing where they like are terrible in the mall. Yes. Yes. When they they get, terrorize that mall. They well, would be kicked out moment one. Apparently, Fulton learns to skate in one one ride through the mall by going He's down the still stairs. still not very Mark, good. It is, it is the miracle of montage. Uh-huh. <laughs> to be fair, he's still not very good. True. Yeah, though he figures it out. He he gets put in in the next game, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you see him on the edge and he's still kind of wobbly. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do much in that game because that's the Statue of Liberty play is he winds up for the slap shot and all the kids duck away because they previously established that a slap shot is superhuman in strength. And then they just pass it into the goal he's with no He's one of the obsession. characters I wrote down as having terrible hair. And I think it's one, okay. him and Joshua Jackson, and I think I noticed their hair more because I know what they look like as adults, <laughs> because the guy who plays Fulton Reed is in Daredevil now as Foggy. Oh my god. Yeah, he plays Foggy Nelson. Wow, I did not make that connection, but yes. And and they have terrible hair. I'm making that connection in my mind right now, and I picture Foggy as, like, not too tall, and, like, Fulton Reed is presented... 
Bolton, I mean, maybe he spurted and then never yeah, grew Yeah, he again. had his growth spurt That's a little early a because he's like two feet taller than the rest of the kids. Right, exactly. He's enormous in this film, which is why he's playing a practically a superhuman. <laughs> in my notes, I have him as street golem because we never see him with parents. We never no. see him in a home. He has superhuman strength. I think he's some sort of immortal beast that just wanders <laughs> the Minnesota streets. I, well, and he I showed up the... to save them when the hawks were, were pestering them in the alley earlier in the movie yeah it's true well i like that he's so well spoken like you expect him to be some sort of thug and he's just like no i can't i i can't i don't know how to skate and he's just like so straightforward and well spoken i'm like yeah this guy but i think maybe some of the reason i think his hair looks terrible is it's fake they made him dye his hair because there was something about his brothers also in the movie as the guy that makes out with what's her name, uh, Gary. What? Two wait, two wait. of the characters have a love thing. Yes, they do. It is. I have it. Uh, Guy Germain and Connie yeah. is yes. the name of the girl. The he, Velvet Hammer. He is the brother of the guy who plays Fulton. Reed. Yeah, Fulton. they're they're siblings, and so I think they made him dye his hair so they didn't look quite as much alike since they're not supposed to be siblings okay. in the movie. And so his hair looks terrible and fake and I, I and never has the nineties swoop. Yeah. I mean it's not a good cut, but I it didn't, makes I didn't him notice look the even hair. more like the street kid because it was just terrible. What I remember as a kid is that Fulton was a character that kids are supposed to be afraid of at first. Because he's got just the type of face where he's not doing anything with it. It looks scary. And he's quite tall and he, he's super powerful. So he's supposed to be like this unknown thing that you kind of want to stay away from you're scared of it but then you get to know him and he's okay guy and he helps out the team and he teaches them not to judge people on first impression i just think he's great because i like that actor that i can't remember the name of i i love him as foggy <laughs> don't get me wrong i just didn't know that was him oh we should talk about banks because this kid has a rough story throughout the history of this film i was gonna save this for the guide game but i have enough of them already so like his story is the story of a child who just wants to play hockey. He's forced to switch teams against his will without his parents' permission. And after being chastised by teammates old and new, he is attacked and leaves the game in a medical stretcher. Yeah, like, they straight up try to murder him. Yeah, that the kid that does it is a freaking psychopath, too. Because mm -hmm. one of the former friends looks at him and is like, what what did you do? And he's just like, my job. Although the fall that he took looked like it could have been painful because the stick was like in his chest when he fell over. But I think it was supposed to look like he hit his head or something because he slid into the goal. But I, I don't even know what about that would have knocked him out of the game. But See, my opinion of it was that I think the goalpost went like specifically into his arm, like his where his neck and shoulder meet and like it broke his collarbone or something i don't know it's not explained how he got hurt he's fine at the end of the movie what's funny to me is that it's his, his former teammates jump. that should have been his friends and and it was his own coach who was calling him the hotshot kid and that was that coach that was trying to knock him out of the game on purpose well that coach messed up a lot of children mm -hmm. yeah he's the reason bombay is all about winning at the very beginning mm -hmm. of the movie and i think he, bombay finally realizes 
after Reed tries to murder a child, that maybe he's not the greatest of guys. Who Reed didn't murder anybody. Oh, Riley. <laughs> Riley, excuse me. Not Fulton. <laughs> Coach Riley. Uh, I'll edit that to sound great, I'm sure. The actor's name is Eldon Henson. <laughs> Good took job. Me far too long to look that up. Sorry. I actually don't have that many more notes. I mean, I found weird things. Oh, we should talk about the the dog shit scene at the beginning. Because this is our introduction to a bunch of children. Yeah, I don't know what... It doesn't really have anything to do with the movie at all, other than no. showing Except you that the that kids are, are hooligans. Kids. <laughs> yeah. They are hooligans. Well, and it's the only time they use that fast motion technique, and I yeah, don't Yeah, that was weird, it. too. <laughs> oh, see, I love that, because it was such, like, a little rascal's thing to do. Yeah. But the problem they never use it ever again. It's and the it only time they use any it sort of really weird fit technique with like the that. style of the movie, I don't think. That is true. It's out of place. Uh, and it's more zany than the rest of the film is. I grant you that. Though they have another camera technique that I was a big fan of as a kid, and I think they overuse in the sequels. They use it once in this film, or maybe twice, and it works perfectly. It's the, the puck cam uh, for Fulton's slap oh, shot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I was thrilled at that as a kid. It comes in super late in this film, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, yes, I, yes, and for, and, and more. Everybody, which, what's funny to me is, as a hockey player, especially when someone is shooting at the goal, you're, the point of it is to block it from going in, and everyone is diving out of the way of this puck flying through the air. Well, I mean, at the very end of the movie, uh, which we will get to, because that's how we're going to close this out, uh, he does the slap shot, it hits the goalie in the chest, and knocks the goalie into the goal, Mark. Yes. Well, well but the I one mean, before that version, was when it, it broke the rope. the goal. Yeah. It, yes, yeah. exactly. So, how fast does that need to be going to break the goal. Very, very fast. I'm telling you, this kid is a superhuman. And Someone else doesn't the break the glass it. when he shoots it off the walls. Yeah, he can only crack glass. That's one it of did, his weaknesses. It did break the glass in a car, but not the glass in the rink. Two windows. They go through so many cars that he... Because they have to have at least three. Because okay. they have the first one that is the just town like... Car. A, the town car and then they have a van yes but then they break two windows in the van that's true they must have gotten a third van yeah oh why man. did they change to the van in the first place uh i think it's because he needed to drive the team around to get to practice at the he, rink he was or the because hockey goldberg mom. ruined it <laughs> Yeah, I think the van came about after they got the fifteen grand from Ducksworth. Because the van is going to cost more than the limo that they had. <laughs> I think it just uh, needed a space and they needed a reason. They needed a way to drop Charlie off so that they could have a bonding moment. I, I will say that this movie has one of my least favorite plot things ever, which is the... The miscommunication half-heard conversation. Yeah. Oh, I sure. I hate it. Like, how hard is it to stay for five more seconds and finish out that conversation? Like, I, I know exactly what you mean. If it was me, I'm like, I want to hear exactly all of that conversation so I can throw it back in your face. I'm not leaving halfway through. And, like, like it's always, like, the stupidest thing. And it's always so easily resolved after they stop giving each other the silent treatment. Like, that was resolved so easily. He was just like, don't you guys understand sarcasm? And that's oh, it. That's and that is my, they did, which oh, doesn't That is my least favorite line. I hate his <laughs> delivery of this thing. Because uh, he asked... Uh, do you guys know what sarcasm is? Here, let's do it live. Mark, do you know what sarcasm is? No. Okay, well, that means you do. 
I mean, it's said with that level of commitment. But like, that's the ar- that's the conversation that ends an argument that caused them to end a game, like to not show up for a game, and that's ended the argument. That was after, it. After the team walks out and forfeits a game because they don't want to go for this coach, they all show up at school, and when they get in trouble for having a fight. Or yeah. no, they were throwing molecules around the science. Oh, room. I have a note on this they, classroom. They had this fight. They start quacking at the teacher like they're all a team again, even though they. So the problem here is that they they were still a team. They just didn't believe in Bombay anymore. True. So they didn't want to play under him. But they still felt connected as people. So my note on the classroom is that. Uh, so they're playing with atoms, making molecules, as you do in a science class. and Which I never did in a science class. They put oh, in this, this stupid joke where they ask what the blue balls are. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. And uh, a kid says, hydrogen. And the teacher's like, that's correct. You see this blue ball on screen, it has two covalent bonds. Hydrogen does not have two covalent bonds. He's doing it wrong. As soon as Carl started this, I uh, knew it was going to be something science-y. But I, I didn't do well I just thought it was funny so. that they said blue balls and half of the half of the class starts chuckling. And as a kid, I probably wouldn't have understood <laughs> what they were laughing at. So I just like the tiny little child who is from Pete and Pete going, Oh What is what is more than half your body made up of? Pizza? Pizza? <laughs> yeah. He's he's so tiny and so cute. Oh, yeah. I called him Little Pete and Pete throughout the entire thing. I liked him a lot. He doesn't have a whole lot to do. I mean, he comes in at the very by end. His sister. Yes. Oh, we what should talk about What do I know about, about hockey? Bam. More than you think. He doesn't say it that low because he's a real little kid. He's like, but you get the point. What do you think? <laughs> so. We should talk about them because Gordon recruits these kids after they arrive at the rink and they see these two kids figure skating. Say, hey, they're great skaters. Maybe they'll do well on my team. They, in the next scene, they're just in jerseys and the girl says, mom isn't going to like this. Meaning he didn't get any parents' permission before drafting these children yes. into his sports I, team. I noticed that too. And besides that, figure skate, I mean, it's still skating, but hockey and figure skating are pretty different. Yeah, it's different <laughs> skates too. There's a lot of montages like that in certain things. Like, I think some of the Bring It On movies do that, where they're like, well, we can't find any more cheerleaders. Let's find whatever we can get that's kind of like it. Like, gymnasts and other things that kind of resemble they at least it. like get there's a lot of permission things. from the parents first in those cases <laughs> no because well i don't know i don't think any parents show up and bring it on <laughs> parents don't exist so the three recruitments he does is the figure skating si- siblings fulton which we never see him ever have a parent i'm not sure he has them and um he's, adam he's banks whose joke. parent doesn't want him to come so the, all of his recruits have no parental permission at all. He's basically kidnapping these children. Although, really, it's not his fault with Adam Banks because that was a league thing that they redrew these districts, and so Adam was supposed to yeah, be on their Yeah, this children's league was. is very litigious. I know. But hey, they have rules. They have to play by them. Yeah, so I thought this was something the movie made up. I looked this up, and it's a real thing in Minnesota. Like, they seriously draft the district lines and have 16 teams playing in peewee hockey. That's oh, because it's hockey's Minnesota. very serious in the north. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just, I didn't think, 
for a second that there would be a state-run children's league where somebody could serve his community through. Uh, so finding out that that's a real thing was a bit of a shock for me. Um, I th My thing was when they have the fight that is broken up by sarcasm, they get so mad at him for being a hawk, but they just in the last scene said it was based on districts. Why are they mad at him for he was a hawk originally? Like, if it's based on where you live, like... He couldn't help that he was a hawk if that's where but he lived. he was part of the hawks that were tormenting them earlier in the movie, and I think they just No, don't not like Adam. The, they yeah, were huh. mad at Bombay. They, they were oh. mad Remember? at Bombay after reading the, the article where he missed the goal for the hawk. Uh, yeah, yes, but it was yes, like, yes. he couldn't help that. Like, that's just where he lived. Well, yes. I will give it a pass because for these children, the hawks have been terrorizing them. Mm -hmm. They just see the hawks as villains. And knowing that their coach used to be on that team doesn't sit right in their minds. But to be fair, it was the Hawks 20 years ago. Right. But for all they know, they were still jerks. To be fair, they were still jerks, but... We're, we're skipping around a lot, but I'm going to go back to earlier in the movie when Bombay's first game back as a coach, when he's playing the Hawks, and he, of course, he's the Hawks. Why does it have to be the Hawks? And then he's, he's in the rink, which I guess it's a home game for the Hawks because they have banners all over for them and he's looking at the wall and every single one of them is first place except the one when he played <laughs> and i mean i i don't remember what anybody's record was when i was a kid but i can kind of relate to it because i is baseball when i was younger and we got second place and of course it was in the ninth inning when I was the third out that lost the game. So it's <laughs> so I have a second place trophy to always remind me of that. So I can see where he's How coming from. But it's still weird that they have that many banners that they win just every year. This is a point that they pepper in but don't highlight in the film. So Bombay lost this shot. Uh, it was the penalty shot at the end of regulation. He shoots. He misses. The team still has overtime. True. He didn't lose the game for them. He just lost one chance at winning before another chance of winning came up. And I, yeah, that was something I don't remember from watching as a kid, but I noticed it watching it now and I was, and I, I had never thought of it before, but, and they make a big deal out of it in the flashbacks. Yet. Where yeah. he misses and he like falls on his knees and the other team runs away cheering, but there's still Wait, overtime after that. The game that. is still going. He didn't lose it for you. Yeah. I don't know hockey rules. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tie game and you go into overtime if nobody has won yet. <laughs> Though, to her point, we do see them tie a game before it's and true. it just goes on the record as a tie. I think for the state championships, though... They would play into overtime. Yeah. If it's a playoffs or championship, somebody has to win. I don't know how sports work. <laughs> That's fair. Although, talking about their tie, this team was terrible. Like, like they, they, she, uh, he asks one of them at his very first practice what their record is. I think it was Connie. And she comes oh, up, oh, yeah, we're, Connie we're 0 and 9, but we, we we got really close once. We only lost by five points, and we almost scored a goal. And if they're zero and nine, then then they lose two. They lose one more game that they play, and then they lose another one that they forfeit, and then they tie a game. And somehow they're able to make it to the, not only to the playoffs but all the way to the championship. They explain it in the movie, but it doesn't make any sense to me because every team gets in, even except for like the last two. Correct. So. At one point, we see a scoreboard at Hans's shop. 
Mm-hmm. And he has kept a record of everyone because apparently he follows Pee Wee Hawk even though he doesn't have a child in the league. Whatever. Uh, so, he has the list. Uh, when we see it, the Ducks are 11, uh, 0, 11, 1, 11 losses, 1 tie. The next team above them is the Huskies, who have 1 win and 11 losses. So, when they go up against the Huskies, as long as they beat them, they will have a record higher than them, they will be in 8th place, and they get in the playoffs. So, right. I mean, they did enough playing around with the scores to figure out, like, no, this is actually important as the game I understand it. how that works. I don't understand how a team who wins one game gets into the playoffs. Like, <laughs> it's just a weird Small system children. to me. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a weird system because in Minnesota, actual Minnesota Peewee, there are 16 teams playing, and this one there's only 10 uh, one of the teams was actually already eliminated because they got the measles. How many members of the team got the measles? <laughs> I, I want to say. The measles aren't that common anymore, and, like, everyone got well, the I measles. Well, I mean, if one kid gets it and they all go to practice together, I don't know. It wasn't like one person got the measles, it was like, they got the measles. <laughs> yeah, you know, the panther, their mascot, it got the measles. If it can't be into a game, it's they forfeit. Uh... So we should talk about this. Because I, I did some research. Why is the Ducks the only team with female players? Why is it the only team with African-American players? I don't... Well, we only we don't see all of the teams. And a lot of them we only see in quick motion shots. So it's kind of... With helmets on. So it's kind of hard to tell. And I would say maybe with... The only team we see for like an extended amount of time, the players, is the Hawks. And I think he says something about you won't make the team next year. So I think he's the only one that really does like like tryouts and kicks people off the team as opposed to like the Ducks. It's like, yeah, you're all on the team. You can save even if you're terrible. From my recollection, having watched it twice, I think every other player we see on another team is a white male. I think I saw a girl on one of the other teams. I think I saw a girl. But it is hard to tell. They all have helmets on. They have all got pads. They're all like 12. (laughs) Everyone looks the same at that point. It just, it plays into that the Huck, the the Hucks, it plays into (laughs) that the Ducks are a a motley crew of people. They're the outsiders. They're the, the rejects. That have banded together to take down this this team that can cut people left and right. They're the best players in the league. To be fair, it's not like they just needed a bunch of twelve year olds that knew how to play hockey that were willing to be in like if, if they you're did in actually. Minnesota, fill... Every twelve year old knows how to play <laughs> hockey. <laughs> but if you're in Minnesota and you're not in the Twin Cities, you're probably just like a white farm kid. So you're not gonna find because no one else wants to live in Minnesota. <laughs> I'm sorry to all of our Minnesota listeners. We like you. Please keep listening to us. Sarah does not represent our views, only her own. I'm sorry you live in Minnesota. No, that is not an apology. It's so cold there. Uh, Oh, goodness gracious. But I mean, I'm probably sure you weren't getting, like... Wherever they were filming, I'm sure for, like, the extras, they weren't getting a whole diverse pool of people that were 12 and knew how to skate because they didn't need to have them be have personality or be diverse they just needed them to be able to skate and be extras so they put in whoever they could find as opposed to like the people on the ducks they needed like specific character types changing gears here's something we should talk about gordon wanted to win at any cost originally then he found out how terrible his team was and they did so bad the first game so then his plan was to cheat all the time and basically not worry if they lost because cheating 
shooting didn't necessarily mean scoring goals. It just meant falling on the ground all the time. And <laughs> I think the goal was to get penalty shots or get the other players ejected from the game. And if you eject enough of their players, then, then they have to, to forfeit. forfeit. It's an interesting strategy. I don't know if that's a thing that people actually would do in real life. No. I mean, I'm sure that uh, you can see people taking falls that are fake. No, because this is life, hockey, but... not soccer. Right. In hockey, people fight yes, to the death. Um, but it did lead to the Joshua Jackson death stare in that scene. Oh, where yeah. he's just, like, glaring at him. He was staring him down, which well, was real and funny. So the time he tells him, if you if that kid is twice your size, if he gets you against the wall, just fall down and grab your eye like it's cut. So he gets him up against the wall again, and you see the end of the guy's stick is inside his face mask. So he legitimately could have been injured from that, and he still doesn't do anything about it. No, he just stares him down is like no no this is wrong i'm gonna i'm gonna rub it in so it is because charlie is the heart of the team and i remembered him being in later movies like one of the best players on the team which is not the case in this this movie movie at all he makes like one goal every other one he fans the puck which means he goes for a slap shot and he misses i feel like the only reason he's he gets picked to do the penalty shot in the final championship game is just because he's Gordon's favorite, not because he's good at it. Because <laughs> he's never good. They even make fun of him earlier in the movie because he says it's it's Spazway. He'll screw up because he's on a breakaway. They talk about him like he's a good player. He just does not deal with pressure well. Because when they're like having him like skate around and just do stuff, they have him be like one of the best. But then when he has to like actually deal with stuff, he's like, oh. Yeah, he's good at getting the puck and like taking it down the field but as soon as he gets within shooting range he kind of panics but i think he gets the final shot at the end a because he's gordon's protege and b because they've been working on the uh, the triple deke together he's had some which i don't know what that means which never got shown in the movie i don't either i think you you move it back and forth a couple of times so the goalie doesn't know which end it's coming from Uh, yes three is probably the how many deeks you do in a triple deke <laughs> maybe it's that same move that he was doing in that flashback with his father because wasn't that one two yes, three in and it tricks the, the goalie out of his pads a deke feint or fake Ooh. is an ice hockey technique whereby a player draws an opposing <laughs> player out of position or is used to skate by an opponent while maintaining possession and control of the puck ta-da okay. <laughs> Thank you. Hockey. All of our hockey fans will appreciate that. <laughs> so I want to get to the a trope that happens in a lot of these films, but I think it was particularly egregious in this one, uh, which is the trope of telling the story through uh, newsletter headings, because uh, they do it a couple of times in this film. Oh, I did have a reference to one of the newspaper headlines, but I have to say So the, the first one that we see, we get a full shot of the paper, which isn't really a paper. It's more of like a newsletter, but uh, the title of it is Let's Play Hockey, America's number one hockey publication. Keep that in mind, <laughs> America's. They're focusing solely on Minnesota 
peewee hockey that is their front page news in every issue that we see also they are covering the worst team in the league and highlighting that they score one goal or they're not as bad as we thought they were it just seems that this newspaper is incredibly biased to the ducks don't you think that saying we're the number one newspaper of this category in the united states is could just be a marketing ploy <laughs> sure i mean why not target your audience and say this is minnesota's number one peewee hockey publication because that's really long <laughs> you're you're right oh also the the headline we first see it is that jesse hall and Guy germain score first two goals in ducks history but i mean they just became the ducks at this point well, they scored two why. goals in their first game. So it is the first goal in Ducks history then. It's true. And if there's something we're talking about, Ducks as in all of District 5 history, have they always been terrible? Or is it just within like this incarnation of D5 that they've been terrible? Or is this just like the poor side of town and they're always terrible for like 40 years of terrible i have to imagine that they just keep getting coaches that have heart attacks ah you stole my thing <laughs> I, I was gonna say that that, that you know it's just they're always so terrible that the coach hurts his arm but <laughs> these guys are not like six years old and they're like close to being teenagers and they couldn't figure out he had a heart attack they just say he hurt his arm <laughs> Oh, though, before we leave the publication, there's one more thing, because at the bottom of every single one of these things is a giant ad for Coca-Cola. Uh, this happens throughout the film. When they celebrate getting to the playoffs, they have a party where, like, they are shaking up cans of pop and spraying them all over each other, you know, dunking Gordon in ice water. And the pop that they use throughout that entire scene is just one long commercial for Coca-Cola. I notice Carl says pop. It could be soda, depending on who you are when you're soda. listening. I'm sorry. I currently live in the Midwest. To be fair, they're in Minnesota. It's probably That's pop. true. Fair point. My thing is in the publication, in the one that they show right before the playoffs, it's got the two coaches' faces. But they're, like, in the dark. It's just this crazy, like, Star Wars evil face thing. It's creepy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like almost note for note the cover of face off the movie <laughs> like where did they get that those pictures that they're just like floating heads in the dark i want to imagine that if you make it to the state finals you were required to take that photo and so like the hawks have to do a new one every single year it's so weird. do you think that publication was following the fact that this was riley's old hotshot peewee player from 20 years ago and now they're like oh it's the student up against the master now i read a part of the article that accompanied that picture and they did not mention that i didn't read the article i was so distracted by the picture <laughs> see i wanted to read it to see if like they actually put in words instead of like lorem ipsum or whatnot and they, they actually <laughs> did to their credit they filled out that paper with actual article headings headings rather good job interns yes, way to go <laughs> i'm sure it was i'm sure it was you you wrote something that all of one person has ever read. No, there's probably some YouTube, like, movie theory conspiracy person that paused it and read all of that. Probably. All right. So I want to talk about one more thing, and let's go into the, the final match to finish this thing off. Uh, and that is, there are, as we've mentioned before, two love stories throughout this film. And I thought they actually balance them fairly well. I don't feel like every any one of them 
takes away too much of the film that is supposed to be about children's hockey. I only cared about one of them. Was it the children's? <laughs> it was the children's. Because I hated Charlie's mom. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie's mom. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't see a lot of them bonding. Um, uh, you see him at the ice festival... And, like, he gets way too personal, way too yeah. quick, trying to yeah, move into that ice castle fantasy. And he's already doing that. To be fair, it was kind of just, like, this cute little comment, and then she's like, whoa, what about my know. child? That was really, though, like... There's, there's no reason this should have gone any further. Charlie trying to set them up with cute, them actually oh, going God. on that date was the most useless <laughs> scene in the entire uh, movie. What does he tell Gordon? Uh, my mother has many fine qualities that lots of men uh, find attractive. And I, does, does that scene really has nothing to do with the rest of the movie at all, other than he's hanging out with this kid's mom. So that, oh, you mean the ice castle scene? Yes. Okay. Uh, it has to, it's, it's the only time we see them get together and kiss each other. I mean, that leads to them... No, they kiss at the end. Right, right, but it gives... It makes sense why they're doing that then at the end. Because I think they kiss the ice festival. I think they kiss when they sing We Are the Champions at the very end. at the at the ice festival, I think. Mm. No, they I think they kiss at the very end of that scene. And that's where the weird scene changes, where it just punches (laughs) you in the face and tells you, Hey, we're in hockey now. That scene was just... There was... Filler. Yeah, pretty much. We it have to like, reach hey, a certain do you time. Remember limit. that Charlie's mom is a single mom, and that it's really important that she doesn't like upset her child. Uh, this is not important to the hockey. This isn't even important to Charlie's relationship with Bombay. It's important to to this character that really we don't need more of. That is a good segue into ending this off. Let's talk about the final showdown between the Ducks and the Hawks. Uh, so we've already covered that Banks essentially gets a hit taking out on him that is committed by a yeah. psychopath, which I think he he brings it the score to three one with the Hawks up. Yeah, it was kind of cute that Banks is like, "Did it go in?" He's like, he's, "He's more worried he about winning than he is about the fact that he's getting knocked." Well, out. I think it was less about the winning that it was more about he really wants to impress his teammates because he he's been trying really hard. But you know, in the previous game, they all them. complained. Of it. Sorry, we're stepping back again, but. <laughs> they all complained about him when he joined the team, but then he was the one that scored a goal for that. Like he's up there skating back and yeah. forth in front of the goal, calling for the puck. They finally pass it to him and he scores and they all cheered with him. So it's like, they didn't like him until he actually scored a goal and was part of the team. As much as Charlie is like this resemblance of Bombay, I think Banks is also kind of this resemblance of Bombay at that age. He was this Hawks player that just wanted to play hockey. Well, Riley even but said kind it of just at the beginning. Has so much pressure put on and he just wants to play hockey and it's being ruined for him. And him getting to transfer to the Ducks, he's getting to have fun again, whereas Bombay didn't get that chance and it just ruined it and he never got to play again until like this movie. Whereas Banks is getting that second chance. And so that's kind of a parallel too. Yeah. Banks gives a lot of shit that he doesn't ask for in this film. But I think like I, I do love the character work, and it's something that happens a lot in this final match, is that basically they've been building up wild cards that they're going to use to you know score points in the final match. And it seems like as soon as they use one of them, that character is immediately eliminated. Banks scores, gets taken out on a stretcher. The next one up is Fulton, uh, who gets his <laughs> wild uh, slap shot out. And first of all, I'm not sure that he scores... Uh, because 
It hits the goalie square in the chest. The goalie folds over himself and falls into the goal. I don't think the puck ever hits the ice in the goal. As long as it goes they past the it, line, it, it if if it goes past the goal line there, it counts. Okay. They, they count it. They say goal. Yeah. And then he, of course, gets into a fight with the Hawks, is immediately escorted out of the uh, the rink. He gets in a fight because... Was it was that the one where somebody pushed over Connie and he got mad at them for hitting the girl? Or was that a different game? No, it was a it was a different girl, but as, that's how they make their third point, which is the figure skating trick play. Oh, is that Tammy? Tammy and Tommy. Yes, those are her names. So Tammy, the figure skater... Uh, goes up to the goal and just starts, what is that called, an axle, where you spin in place really, really quickly? Axle would be if you jump, but All right. (laughs) She does a spinny trick. Is that better, Mark? Uh, but this entire time, she is high-sticking. Whistle should have been blown moment one when she did this. Then the, the entire trick is that Tommy gets the puck, says now very loudly and clearly and then passes the puck to her sister just as she spins to knock it in the goal this trick play is nonsense yes the whole point of it was that it distracted all the other team players and i don't know how distracting that would be if you're like super hockey player you would just be going after the puck or knock her over because (laughs) see this is a point i have a problem with it because i don't believe it was a distraction i think her spinning with the the stick outstretched is just supposed to give her enough space and like eliminate people around her and i think that's why the sole reason why it's illegal and you can't do this in a hockey rink ah i was very upset we've already said that they're they're Legality stuff is a little iffy. Oh, oh. And then you can move on to the third goal. <laughs> this was the third goal. Figure skating was the third goal. Oh, she right, gets because knocked over. they tied at four. That is why yes. Fulton is escorted out. The fourth and final goal is something I was waiting the entire movie for. It is the flying V. So I will tell you before you get into this and complain so much about it. I played field hockey when I was younger. I apparently, according to my father, I apparently tried to talk the coach into doing the flying V in in our games because because I thought it was like the ultimate (laughs) awesome move that would always win the game for us. is the flying th- be like a real thing? Because it is for ducks. Had they ever <laughs> had they ever done it before? No, no. This is the first time they debut it. Well, that's weird. Be- well, that's what I thought. But then the announcer's like, "Oh, it's the flying." Yeah. Bee. Like, how would the announcer know? Who knows? Maybe he announced the trick play to the announcers alone. But yes. Yeah, maybe he's like, guys, guys, is this gonna be real impressive? And I want you to know this, so it'll be even more impressive because. Cause you got it. We worked on this name. We like we we came up with like a focus group, and this is real important. So for those uninitiated to the flying V, it is exactly <laughs> what it sounds like. The five players on the ice form a V, uh, with one person leading the charge, and then people fanning out from him. And it is a terrible technique because to keep the formation, they have to skate pretty damn slow. And they have to pass the puck in between them. To get the puck to the guy on the end, you have to pass it through the guy in between you. Although, if you are a person in the back, though, it gives you plenty of people in front of you to shove other people out of the way, which I think is what they ended up doing as they got closer to the goal, is they just pushed the, the other people out of the way. I think it only works because the other team defends man to man. 
And so they, they match up body to body, and then people can push people out of the way and clear the, the goal for Jesse to score. I don't remember which one is Jesse. He was the elder African-American child. Yes. Right, one of the yes. brothers. Part of the, the Oreo yes. line? Oh. The Oreo <laughs> line. Something that they are mad it. at. They are mad at being called in the beginning, but then call themselves at the very end. There's there's a few things they try to like claim, like reclaim, like cake there's eater. That, and then yeah, like, what does that even mean? Apparently, cake eater. <laughs> apparently, cake eater is a real like a town specific. insult. I had never heard it until this movie, so I don't. It's it's an insult for a specific town in Minnesota. <laughs> I looked this. Oh up. my god, that is shocking because I had made like the Marie Antoinette parallel, like he's calling him a cake <laughs> eater because he's high society and he just tells them to eat cake. But no, this is a real thing. It has to do with Marie Antoinette, but it has to do with that is true. Adina, yes, Minnesota. It's what you said because too. It's it's a rich suburb. Ah, all right. Good on me. I know things about things. So it's kind of correct what you said, but not exactly. <laughs> yeah, but apparently it's just kind of like an insult for like rich kids in this area of Minnesota. <laughs> but then by the end, they're like, you're a rich kid, but you're our rich right. kid. Right. And then he calls Gordon a cake eater when he goes to the yeah. tryouts. It well, doesn't I make mean, any sense. Well, I mean, he really was a rich guy because he's Dude, a lawyer. Yeah, so. Well, yeah, former lawyer. Oh, shit. I forgot I've mentioned something. Okay, so he gets fired before they make it to the playoffs. When they make it to the playoffs, he gets tickets for all of them to a North Stars game. How does he pay for these tickets with no income? They were paying his salary the whole time. But that's he had been the, fired. That's what Duxworth said at the beginning. So he was still getting maybe paid he before, before he that, got fired? I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe he's he has, using he's his really savings for this. And yeah. maybe they're great. Anyway... Let's close this thing Maybe off. Maybe someone owed him a favor. So the very last thing, which I had to find a special YouTube clip for because the version I watch had cut it off, is Gordon is boarding the bus to the tryouts. He comes back and says, no matter what happens, I'll be here to defend the title. And he is not the coach in the sequel. That's mm. true. But we're but, not but to the, the sequel, the sequel? yet. Shh. But we're, we're ending this off. <laughs> this will be the final thing before we go into game. Does the sequel take immediate take place no, immediately because after? he's been playing in the minors for a while yeah and i want to say they're on team america anyway and they would have they are they're we, like, we will get, in, no we will like, get into yeah. all of this uh but why don't we go on to games first game is the pitch movie where you have to describe this film to say you're trying to pitch it to a movie producer or you're trying to describe it to someone who's never seen it before so you combine one property with another trying to describe this film to people in the form it's this meets this so what do you guys have what is the mighty ducks well i only have i only one. have one also Okay, I Let's have two. Let's go at the two. same time. Okay, Should I go, go first and then last? You can last? go first because you have two, but if you steal mine, I will do something. All right. So, because this is a story of a reformed lawyer learning to play fair and the story of a guy reining in a wicked slap shot, it is Liar Liar meets Happy Gilmore. Nice. Mine was because it's about an angry guy with a terrible sports team and also has some people having to change ice sports. It is Bad News Bears meets Cutting Edge. Oh. 
Another nice. cat again. It's just good. Mine had more to do with that it was a little league kids team who is playing against a bitter rival little kids team who is always the best at what they do. So I had Big little green. giants meets oh, little miracle. Giants. Oh, nice. Movie. Yes. Oh, was that the one where they're Boston and they play the Russians? No, yes. no, no. Well, Wait, yes. It's the, the Olympics. Olympics. The Olympics, not Boston USA in the Olympics. <laughs> it's not just was Massachusetts declaring war on Minnesota. Or Minnesota. Wasn't, there <laughs> Boston, wasn't there a lot of Boston people in that movie? I remember a lot of accents. It's foul. Well, I haven't yeah, seen yeah. it. Wasn't there a lot of accents? I don't know. Talk to Kurt Russell. I think he was in it. I think so, too. Okay. All right. So my final one is because this is a story about a reluctant goalie in a children's sport and a movie about a hockey team winning via trick plays and gimmicks, this is The Big Green meets MVP Most Valuable Primate. (laughs) I've never seen that. I think I saw it once. I own it on VHS. Here's a question. Is there an Air Bud with hockey? Uh, I think God, there I is. Don't there's one for football, so. at least. There's more than one for basketball. I know there's, I think like, there's okay. a baseball one. They went basketball, football, volleyball. volleyball, baseball. I don't think they did hockey, unless it was with the pups. They need to get on that. Oh, fun um, trivia, which will open to our listeners and you two. So, are there more Land Before Time sequels or more Air Bud sequels. <laughs> and yes, I'm including the buddies as a part of that. Are we counting TV shows? Nope. Just okay. films. Sarah, do you have a guess? I'm gonna go with Air Bud. Alright, Mark, do you have a guess? I would still say Land Before Time. Alright, you're both correct. They are tied. Hooray! No! <laughs> and I think the number comes to like 14. Yeah, Land Before Time uh. has like a million of them. <laughs> I didn't know Air Bud had that many, though. Well, because yeah. there's the buddies. Yeah, the buddies. They they end up saving Christmas. I think they go to space as well, Mark. It gets outrageous. They do. They go to space. All right. I haven't seen any of them. I've just seen ads. So our second game is alternate tagline, something you may see on the movie poster uh, that tells the theme of the movie but kind of misses the point. I actually had trouble with this one because I kept wanting to write good ones. Because I, I kind of liked the theme that this movie was going for. That, I have that problem every time because I, if I really like the movie, I start thinking of good subtitles and then yeah. So I'm gonna oh, no. I'm gonna get Why a good one in here real quick, and then we go to actual terrible ones. Uh, good one, the Mighty Ducks. This hockey team can barely skate, but with his help, they'll learn to fly. Aww. Right, sappy and ridiculous. What do you guys have? Mine was. Mighty Ducks, the only movie series to make you care about hockey. <laughs> are there other series Sorry again, about Minnesota. hockey? There must be. I know there are individual movies. I don't mm. know about series. Slapshot was a series of films. It wasn't kids, but it was <laughs> hockey. I, I never remember. I don't remember ever seeing that. All right, Mark, Mine was the Mighty Ducks. They really suck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just, are you going for a rhyming tagline? No, that... no, no. They said that in the movie. Oh, yes, they do. At the very beginning, they said it about themselves, and then Bombay repeats it, and it's also true throughout the whole movie because they are never really that good. They only win when they use trick plays or pick up an extra player who actually is good. Oh, goodness. All right. Uh, do you guys have more? I have two more I want to do. I do have one more. All right. That was uh, my only one. Okay. 
I have the Mighty Ducks. Please date my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so mine is based off the fact that the main character is a guy who gets a bunch of DUIs and yells at children a lot. So it is Mighty Ducks. Maybe it should have been Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Instead of his cousin. Uh, brother! Brother! Brothers. Oh, wow. I don't know things about this. Because Charlie Sheen's real name is Carlos Estevez. Ah, makes sense. Ch uh, Charlie took his father's acting name, because Martin Sheen's oh, real name is right. Estevez. And then Emilio kept his birth name. All right. Uh, my final one is the Mighty Ducks. All it takes to win is the love of the game and just like a butt ton of money. <laughs> Although for an entire team of, I don't think 15,000 sounds like that much to equip all of them. Uh, there's only 13 kids. Uh, let's see. So, well, I mean, I, yeah, maybe. What are you going to spend? Like a couple of hundred for each kid on pads and stuff? Maybe the jerseys a bit more, but you need you need practice jerseys. You need game jerseys. You would probably buy a bunch of pucks and sticks, mm, and maybe fair goals. enough equipment. Sure, probably yeah, still right. not that much. Maybe, I don't know. but our third game is the TV guide game. It is a description of the plot of the movie, much like you would find in a TV guide or Netflix description, where it is technically correct, but it totally misses the point. So, what do you guys have? Okay. Children's movie spends way too much time encouraging vandalism and not enough time on sports. Uh, it's very close to one of mine. Uh, so I have a gang of street children terrorize a motorist, school faculty, and mall patrons alike all in the name of their brand of fun. <laughs> yes. Um, an undefeated young lawyer learns teamwork by getting fired for upholding the rules of peewee hockey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. Uh, let's see. Mighty Ducks... Every PSA imaginable. Don't drink and drive, say no to drugs, cheaters never win, etc. Shoved into an hour and a half long commercial for Coca-Cola. It's funny that you focused on that so much because I didn't even notice. I did not, and I love it. But I'm pretty sure Coca-Cola was a sponsor if it was in there that much. They paid good money. I have one more. Do you guys want to go again? Or are you out? I, I have one All more. All right, go ahead. You two um, go again. Bitter man works out childhood issues by yelling at kids. <laughs> Uh, so, Mighty Ducks, 13 kids learn everything they know about a sport through the magic of montages. <laughs> that, that's a every 90s movie. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could montage myself. I could get so much stuff oh, done. Oh, God, in that so little time, so too. True. All right, Mark, did you have a final one, or should we move on to reviews? We can move on. All right, so let's start with our first scale, which is the potato scale. Describing the emotional connection you found with the film in terms of your relationships with potatoes. I felt like watching this movie, it reminded me how much I liked it as a kid. Um, there were moments during the actual games when I got a little bit excited and was, you know, ready for them to win the game and blah, blah, blah. But overall, there were parts that were lacking a bit, so I think... I don't remember this category from our original list, but there's one we have called boxed potatoes, mm -hmm. which means not as good as it should be or could be. And I feel like there were parts of this movie that were really good that I enjoyed, but other parts kind of pulled it back down again. So overall, there were it, it just could have been a little bit better. Yeah, I am right there with you. Um, See, so yeah, I was thinking boxed potatoes as well. 
where I wanted it to, uh, it had a lot of moments that I really enjoyed, but also a lot of things that I forgot for good reason. Um, so, and I also <laughs> wanted to include uh, Tater Tots in there. I think this is a movie for kids. There's a lot of antics that would speak to children more than it does adults. Except for the adult legal stuff in the blue balls. <laughs> Fair enough. And, you know, I noticed something I would not have noticed as a kid, but there was quite a bit of swearing in there that I don't remember. But it doesn't, I mean, you know, it, I, it doesn't The 90s me. were a little more lenient. I know, it that. doesn't deter me from watching it necessarily or from liking it. It's just I don't remember that from when watching it when in, I was younger. In the 90s, those weren't swear words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. PG-13 hadn't been invented yet. That's true. That's not true. I... Well, it was the 80s, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, you're probably right. So the two movies responsible for the PG-13 rating were Raiders of the Lost Ark and Gremlins. Um, which was probably good because then you got um, the second Indiana Jones movie and that just got worse. Sure did. Do you have a rating for us, Sarah? <laughs> um, I was <laughs> going to say Potato Skins, which for that it was just not enough there. Like, the parts that I liked, I really, really liked. But then there was a lot of scenes where I'm just like, I don't care about this scene. Why is this scene there? Like, I'm gonna... Everyone's gonna hate me because I'm bringing up Charlie's mom again. <laughs> Any scene with Charlie's mom, it just... It did not add anything to the plot. Like, if Charlie's mom was there with Charlie, kind of. But with just Charlie's mom by herself, nothing to the plot. A lot of the scenes that were just adults were just too long and weren't necessarily needed. There were so many montages. Like, even for the 90s, it was a little excessive. And so... I think there were about six montages in those. The general idea, like, the parts... There were parts that I still liked. Every time Bombay and Charlie had, like, talks. Any mm -hmm. anytime Hans showed oh, up. Hans was I was best. like, oh, Hans. Oh, Hans. So, like, <laughs> the parts that I liked, I really, really loved. And so, like, if you could have cut out about a fourth of it and replaced it with more of the other stuff, I would have been like... A plus, love you, good job. But it was just like we're at we're at a ten, and then we've had a filler scene, and it's it's dropped down real real fast. Well, that brings us uh, dynamically to our second rating scale, which is a rewatchability scale. So on a scale of one to ten, one being uh, you never want to see this film again, you hope it's destroyed, all copies of it are thrown in a pit and lit on fire. Uh, and, like E.T., the video game? Uh, ten being you would launch this on a record going out to space so that other cultures and other galaxies could see it as well. Uh, how would you rate this film? Would you go back? Would you recommend people go back and watch it? I think I'd give it a seven and a half. <laughs> I enjoyed watching it again. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that I'm like, oh, what is the point? But I still enjoyed it. I mean, I think I remember and liked some of the later ones better. But, I mean, I still enjoyed it. I don't think it's one I'm going to pull out yearly. But every once in a while, it's good to, to look at some of these, especially some of these actors that are still doing a lot of work. Joshua Jackson, the guy who plays um, Foggy. <laughs> um, even, like, Emilio Estevez and stuff like that. People that are still, like, in the public eye, even though Emilio Estevez does more directing now. Um, it's good to see kind of this, like, when they're tiny little children and kind of see that that kernel of why they stayed around and see kind of, like, that kind of natural talent they had as tiny little baby children and kind of be like, yeah, they've got that charisma. 
And it's kind of interesting to watch and see. Yeah, they got that spark. They got that spark <laughs> and that terrible hair. Oh, God. Uh, I, I will have to rely to you on the hair report for every episode because I will not see it. I don't, I don't I pay will. that much attention to it unless it's, like, really out there. Yeah. So, I, I was not aware we were doing fractions on our scale now. It's a scale to 1 to 10. It's not an integer scale. <laughs> Do you want to go down to the millionth percentile? You could. I give it a 7.5261. I give it an 8.3 repeating. Ooh. <laughs> no. Uh, so my true rating is probably close to Sarah's. I would say about a 7. Uh, so I have to backtrack myself because i watched it several times for this podcast the first watch through was incredibly enjoyable i took very little notes because i enjoyed the story that was unfolding in front of my eyes uh going back and watching it it's not as rewarding the second or third time because there really isn't a lot there the scenes that are awkward are still very awkward to get through though there are some highlights in the film as well so i would say if you're nostalgic for this Seven is pretty good. I mean, there's going to be things you forgot. There's going to be things that surprise you, awkward scenes to get through, but overall, very enjoyable. I agree. I was I was in the six to seven range. Um, there were parts that I found really enjoyable and things that I had forgotten about that I it was really fun to watch again. But the same thing, I watched it more than once while preparing for this. And again, the more, I mean, especially if you watch it, you know, so close together it's gonna lose a little bit of that excitement the second time but i mean if you won't pull it out every couple of years that i think it's definitely one worth keeping and watching um if you like it that much it's just not <laughs> too close together because there isn't quite enough there to make it something you would watch every year or mm -hmm. more All often right. mark you said six or seven i'm gonna need a firm number do you want to have 6.5 what is that what, what did you say 6.83 repeating there we there you go 6.83 yeah. repeating is mark no, i i think i would go lean uh, more at a seven um because okay. the the parts that i did enjoy i really enjoyed it's just that there were the parts that kind of pulled it down so mm -hmm. all right well those are our ratings uh let's do the final things of this podcast which are let's talk about our next movie it is no surprise we are moving on to d2 the mighty ducks the next film in this series so mark will be responsible for the 60 second synopsis so that i don't have to keep doing this nonsense um so what do you guys remember about d2 the mighty ducks they are they need a team for the olympics i think for the it's US not or the, the Olympics. The little, the minor, the kids Olympics, something, I don't remember. It's something like but, that. They play on specifically Team USA. Yes, and... It's, it's like the world He starts champion. off by recruiting his old ducks, which I think is interesting because they were not really that good of a team to begin with. <laughs> but, but they got spirit. Yeah, they do have spirit. So there is an... They find Keenan. Yes, so there, yes. from what I remember, there is an inordinate amount of ducks from minnesota come on to this team i think they they also get like a cowboy yeah, they get a, cowboy. Uh, a speed skater that the... can't stop they and might get a female they find the one girl the cat there's a girl the cat. Who's yes the, is, the is this speed... when they find the basher twins yes, yes. the yes. bash brothers yes, yes. they come in the here bash brothers yeah That's what, what is the guy who's fulton reed is one of them 
Yeah. Is he the same one who was the really fast kid in the Sandlot? For some reason, I'm picturing Maybe. the same face. I, but I, I remember thinking the girl who played know. the cat being really pretty as a child. I'm like, she's pretty. I want to look like her. <laughs> I do remember like they had to go stay in dorms or something throughout no. the thing, and they were playing pranks on each other. I want to say that's the third one, but I'm not sure enough to correct you. I think that I'm pretty... Well, I thought it was the second one, because I thought they did the whole put the shaving cream in your hand and tickle mm-hmm. the guy's face with the feather. Oh, I thought they it was may the cowboy that. that they did that to. You could be right. I think the third one, they pull a prank with ants. And they also um, took him to El Rodeo, I mean, uh, Rodeo Drive, and he keeps calling it Rodeo Drive because he's the cowboy. There's a lot of, like, we we have a bunch of new people and we have to learn how to, like, be a family again because we got new yes, people. Yes, yeah. I think one of those techniques is that the entire team gets lassoed together and has to figure out how to skate off <gasps> oh, the yes! ice. Oh, yes! They're all tied together and they're just a big blob. Yes, which is the worst way to skate. <laughs> Or the best way, since, like, you just, everyone's holding together. the best way to murder whoever's on bottom. So, what I remember about Kenan Thompson is he introduces the knuckle punk. Yes. Which. Yes, the knuckle punk. It's kind of ridiculous. I used to try to do it all the time. It would never work. It's totally not aerodynamic. Yes. Well, I mean, you you can make it work. It just doesn't float up and down like that while it's in the air. Yeah, it's, yeah. So. What you do here, apparently, is use your stick to knock a puck up on its edge, then you slap shot it, and that gives it enough uh, aerodynamic force to do all wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey things in space. (laughs) It looks cool. (laughs) It does. And somehow it's enough to confuse everyone else, and it just goes in. Although, this is another one of those things like like Fulton's shot, where it takes him five seconds to set it up, so if anybody was trying to defend it, they could just knock it away from him. Which I think actually none of these techniques once. are useful in real life. They're just they look. Cool. I think we're gonna run into the same thing we had in this movie, which is that at the final game they will use each one of their trick plays exactly once, and that is how they're gonna score all of their goals. I mean, it's the only way to get any focus on any of the characters because there's like a hundred of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, there's so many children, I, and they all look kind of the same. I think Charlie's better in this movie. I think yeah. he gets made captain of the team. Is this? I think this is the one Adam Banks gets injured early on, but doesn't tell anybody because he oh. still wants to play, and because there are scouts watching, he wants to be able to perform oh, and get good standing with the scouts so he can play somewhere professional nothing good happens to adam no he's got a rough life uh all right so tune in next time we're becoming d2 the mighty ducks uh we're gonna close this thing out before we do thank you so much for listening um we are getting slow listenership at present i think we have about 12 people listening per episode so congrats to each and every one of you on being Slightly above 8% of our audience. Uh, So if you could help us spread the word, it would go very long way for us. If you could tell one other 90s kid about the podcast, spread it around that way. If you want to give us a five-star iTunes review, we would love it. Um, So if you want to contact us, all the information can be found at retrograding.fireside.fm. Our music is done by Dominique Barnes. You can find her at Dominique A. Barnes on SoundCloud. Uh, if you want to contact her or hear more. Uh, And we're going to close out the show in our standard fashion. Guys, I learned something today. So there were some 
great lessons to be learned in this uh, this movie that we just watched. Uh, there is great lessons to be learned about cheating, uh, where you uh, take the fall, act hurt, get indignant. Uh, Fulton has a great line about uh, people doing rumors. He simply says, people talk, it don't mean nothing. But I think the greatest lesson to be learned is if you find a purse in the middle of the street, just leave it there. It's probably full of shit. All right, that's going to do it for us. Tune in next time where we do D2, The Mighty Ducks. So what, what? Oh, did it? Did it? Do do games, 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 games. Can that be the real song? No, I might put it. I I might put it as a blooper at the end because that's the thing I do.